Well, welcome to the first ever Our Pilgrimage podcast, which is a conversation with and for leaders journeying towards a joy-filled life for the good of their soul. My name is John and I'm here with my co-host Ian. Welcome. It's uh, very, very exciting for us to be here with you and able to share something of the journey of our pilgrimage. Um, We just want to create an environment where leaders can journey together uh, and journey towards spiritual formation because we believe it's better done together than on our own. And so over the course of these podcasts, we're going to be exploring those themes. So Ian, I wonder if we can just very, very quickly talk into a little bit about how this came about. Uh, we've been journeying with it for a while, we co-pastored together, and um, this has kind of come out of a bit of our journey, hasn't it? So do you want to share a little bit about that journey? Yeah, sure. Um, I think what we've recognised is that uh, life and leadership can be really tough. And when you're journeying that uh, on your own and trying to deal with all the pressures of life and leadership, it can be really crushing and it can, it can zap joy. And, uh, and I think Jesus invites us to experience that sense of joy. And so what we've been journeying, John, is trying to, trying to recover joy in leadership and life. And, uh, and so for us, uh, that's really what pilgrimage has been about. And I think coming out of our stories, uh, which people will hear a little bit more about. Yeah, absolutely, because what we're going to do in these first couple of podcasts is just introduce the guides. Uh, So pilgrimage is something we're doing uh, over 12 months uh, with various people joining in with us for a journey. And we've got some guides that are going to journey with us, of which Ian and myself are two of them. But we've also got two others who are the amazing uh, Sarah Whittleston and Alistair Taylor. Yeah, so let me just tell you a little bit about Alistair. Alistair is a coach and a leader who loves to cheer other leaders on and is apparently a failed accountant. Uh, He's Zach's granddad, he's a Spurs supporter, and he loves a good steak. Sarah is head of prayer and leadership development at Elam Life Church in North Birmingham and leads Elam Prayer. She loves to inspire people to live from a life of prayer with a heart for developing leaders. Sarah loves all things Jesus, all things chocolate, all things adventure, and all things spiritual formation. Good stuff. So we are kind of in this little cupboard um, of, a, of a space. Yeah. So um, there might be some creaking and banging on doors and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to embrace the space we're in uh, and have a good conversation. Uh, and we're going to kind of do it around a journey. So we're going to talk about in the beginning. So what was life like at the start of this journey with Jesus, whether that was early in years or later on in life, and then what it's been like on the way and um, navigating all of that and then reflecting upon it. So kind of we're going to go on a bit of a journey together. Um, um, but before we do, if if at any point you want to engage with what we're doing uh, with our pilgrimage, then we'll say this throughout it, but you can jump online. We're on the social media stuff, so you can DM us through our pilgrimage on the various social medias. You can email us, hello at ourpilgrimage.uk, or you can jump on our website, ourpilgrimage.uk. Um, but Alistair, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how you came to follow Jesus and, and what that kind of early discipleship uh, looked like for you following Jesus. Yeah, well, I uh, I grew up in a in a what I thought at the time was a very dull, boring home. Um, Christian parents, my my dad in in ministry, um, and um, so my my early years are filled with church, more church, and even more church. So we did church five times on a Sunday. We did church three or four times in the week. We mixed with no one. We went to uh, nowhere pretty much and church was it. But um, 
at the time growing up that felt a really dull restrictive kind of situation um i look back at it now and think i'm grateful for a lot of the things that i was saved from um but i you know i used to be incredibly jealous of all the drug addict testimonies and the crime and violence and you know um, the worst thing I'd ever done was probably be five minutes late for a Sunday service. Um, <laughs> but but my um, my mum, who uh, died a couple of years ago, my mum was always a raging evangelist from from being saved at ten years of ten years of age. And my memory then is as a as a kid is my mum reading me um, probably a, not a very politically correct book these days about some some missionaries in deepest, darkest Africa, as it was at the time, perceived to be. And um, somebody died in the book and uh, the conversation was about going to heaven. And I asked my mum if, if I was going there. So my mum at seven years of age led me to led me to Christ alongside a lady uh, who literally was, her real name was Sonny Blundell. And uh, she used she was a child's evangelist. She used to travel the country, and she had like um, uh, a sort of film kind of thing in a very old fashioned, basic kind of way. Because obviously it was about nineteen seventy, and um, she showed this, and she showed what heaven looked like. And in in my heart, that was uh, I reached out for that that reality. Jesus was real. Always has been, always been in my home. My parents were a good, solid, godly example. We were too rules-based, too restrictive, but given its time and the context, you know, I grew up in a loving home where my mum and dad modelled Jesus. Um, my mum, till the day she died, prayed about everything from, you know, uh, car parking spaces in Tesco's through to the Third World War and, and everything, and... I learned Jesus was always there, always interested, cared about the big and the small and, and everything. And um, by nature, I'm a conformist. So I went along with everything. I even went to, when I went to uni in uh, Exeter, I was um, I was one of the few people that went through a whole three years of university, completely, utterly teetotal. Um, I mean, that's uh, impressive myself. That's <laughs> not bad. But that was only broken when I went to KT in London um, <laughs> and was introduced to the joys of communion wine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, my life was... was uh, Jesus has been part of part and parcel of my life from, from day one. That's the context I, I grew up in, and there was nothing. It was just normal, natural, and... That's who we we were. Yeah. I love that that Jesus was part of every everyday life, or you know the the ordinary stuff as well as the the Sunday stuff. Fantastic. Well, no doubt over the course of these podcasts, we're going to di- be able to dig into that more. But Sarah, I just wonder about you. What um, about some of your earliest memories of encountering God? Well, I think hi everyone. Um, great to be here on our pilgrimage. I um, a bit different to Alistair. So I grew up in a family that didn't go to church. Um, but there was always a sense of awareness that God was real. So it wasn't sort of an environment that didn't believe in God, but it wasn't an environment that was actively looking to find God. Um, and we moved when I was about eight or nine years old to a house and the next door neighbours went to something called an Elim church. 
not helium or elm or e-lime or any of the other things that we are called. Um, and they invited me and my brother along to um, a group, which was a little bit like... Um, Brownies and guides and scouts. It's called campaigners. If anybody oh, remembers campaigners, campaigners yeah. I was chief tambourine player number one. Oh, yeah. Just putting that out there. My tambourine badge is very proud of. Um, and so that was my first encounter. And you, you would learn these things called verses, these sentences from the Bible, and then you'd get a pencil or a bar of chocolate, and it just seemed like a great deal to me. Um, and I remember being about thirteen years of age. At a summer camp. Summer camps have been really important in my kind of spiritual journey and my pilgrimage. Um, and there was a guy talking about Jesus as if he was real. And I, as a 13 year old, in my kind of simple way of thinking, I was like, I think Jesus is real. And I think I need to respond. Um, and so very simply just said, yes, so Jesus had um, what I now understand to be quite a, like Pentecostal encounter with God and with the spirit um, and knew it to be real, but didn't really know what it looked like to follow Jesus in the everyday. And so I would say through my teens, I was either really loving Jesus or I was a little bit wild. And I could, I kind of fell between those two, um, two spaces really. And it wasn't until I got to be about 19 years old, I'd kind of left church and I'd been like, do you know what I can do in my life? better on my own thanks thanks everyone um and then realized i couldn't and realized it was a huge gaping void in my life where the the awareness of god's presence used to be um and so felt like god just saying don't sit on the fence anymore sarah like you're in or you're not and i was like think I'm in then Jesus and that really for me so I talk about maybe like a conversion or salvation experience when I was 13 but I think a discipleship decision when I was a, a kind of 19 year old I kind of even though I've been amazed at the pilgrimage and the journey that God's taken me on I didn't quite know what I was signed up for but I knew a little bit more than I did when I was 13 so yeah that was sort of some of my earliest memories of encountering God Pentecostal community a bit wild loud suited me fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it, how God just takes our... Each person who works this story, his, his grace is woven throughout that. Um, just, I, I'm going to follow up question, really, and then uh, I'm sure John's going to come in with some others. But how is, uh, how is your... This is to both of you. How has your image and experience of God and how you lead changed over the years? Okay, well, for people who are listening, thank you for listening. Um, we're sharing mics, so I'll just carry on and then I'll pop yeah. the mic over to Alistair. Um, oh, that's a really good question. I think um, I think just realising that there is always more of God to discover has been really important for me. That um, And the different facets. So that, that picture of a diamond is always really helpful for me. That when you shine light on a diamond, you see the different facets, you see the clarity and the colour and all of those things. And, and for me, knowing God and growing in God and growing in my relationship with him has been about discovering more of who God is and not trying to put him in a box, not, not trying to... Um, limit the limitless God essentially and so I think that's part of the thing that has changed for me but also the very everyday day-to-day -day, seemingly boring small things uh, become so much more significant as you journey in faith with Jesus like the fact that the creator of the universe is like interested in me that is walking life with me, uh, that is present to me, that wants to invite me and involve me in the things that he's doing and building his kingdom. I mean, I think the phrase that I get, I get to know Jesus, like I get to join in with what he's doing. And I think maybe some of that has changed over the years. Um, and in terms of leading, the, the privilege, I guess, again, of that, that I get to 
help others discover who Jesus is. And I think one of the biggest learns for me is I am not Jesus. <laughs> I am not the Holy Spirit. I can't change anyone. I can't, you know, make you do anything. Like my my job really, a bit of what we're going to be exploring through our pilgrimages. I'm a guide. I'm a, a waypoint. I'm someone that can help be a, a person in your journey that might point you towards Jesus in some way and hopefully towards health in Jesus. And loads of people have done that in my life. And I'm so grateful for that. So yeah, Alistair, what do you think? Go on. Um, I, I think sort of my my early years, you know, even into my sort of um, 40s and 50s, I guess, um, God had always been my, he'd been all the nice words that we learned. He'd been my provider. Um, we'd never really gone without. He'd been my healer. I'd had um, miraculous healing from uh, osteoarthritis. Um, uh, life had been good and f fruitful and successful and family was good and we were, you know, life plan looked looked on track and all that. And, um, you know, it was like he was my shepherd and my healer and my provider and all the nice words you can think of. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, and then um, eight years ago, sort of uh, a radical, radical change when my, my first wife, Vicky, was diagnosed with cancer and um uh the, the god who'd been my my healer and close and all that seemed seemed to disappear um because he didn't heal and he didn't answer prayer in the way that i that i hoped in the way that i wanted despite praying the the right kind of verses and the right kind of prayers i thought and despite persevering and all that kind of stuff and the the imminent close God seemed silent. He seemed to have disappeared. My the, my my wife died um, in 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 a matter of just uh, weeks, and um, I had to discover part of Sarah's diamond. I had to discover transcendent God. I had to discover a God of the universe who felt he was in charge, and that he could make the decisions even ones I didn't like, and even ones I prayed against. And I had to discover a a God who was Lord that I had to surrender to um, and that I didn't understand and that didn't make didn't make sense to me. And um it was it was shockingly disturbing and horrible in the process. But it's helped me understand a God of imminence who is my shepherd and who is close and who is my healer and is my provider, but also the God of the universe who has a will and purpose that sometimes is different to mine, sometimes is against mine. And my job as I as I pray and seek him is not to change his will. My job is to line up. My job is to surrender. My job is to trust when I can't trace and when I can't understand. And I guess, how how's that impact me leading? Um, in, in lots of ways, like um, like Sarah mentioned, um, my I, I would have previously in my 20s been very focused on position, status, the big crowds, opportunities, all this stuff. I think my last sort of 15 years, 17 years has been more about trying to walk alongside people and trying to help people stay healthy or get holy, uh, get healthy uh, and learn to walk 
with Jesus through the ups and downs, through with the the good shepherd who, you know, leads us by beautiful still waters, but who also walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. So I think my, over time, my understanding, that's given me a greater sense of reverence, greater sense of fear. Um, But also in the journey over time, through valleys, a greater sense of trust and knowing that, Lord, my biggest challenge is, will I submit? Will I surrender? Can I really pray that prayer? Your will be done. And it's a toughie. Um, But I think and I hope that that has changed me. Alistair, just while you've you've got the mic, you know, we're speaking in some of those areas of life that have really formed us. What would you say is... um, something significant that you've seen tangibly practically in your life maybe it's you know as you become more self-aware through these through these journeys and through these moments something that that you can see where there's been a definite shift and and change Mm. in who you are yeah my my 20s and 30s you know i started off as a as an accountant then a school teacher i was very driven very bothered by success very bothered by my status and position i took all those all those egotistical selfish ambitions and values into ministry and so my time at Kensington Temple I was desperate to get to the top I was desperate to get the opportunities and be recognized and and all those kind of things and I've had to God has been on a pathway of killing me off and my discipleship's been about been about dying and getting rid of uh, a lot of those a lot of those things and seeing him little by little cleanse my heart, purify my motives. And um, I've had to do a lot of, a lot of dying, a lot of surrendering, a lot of giving up um, of, of, of me and my glory, you know, and seeking, seeking increasingly to want his glory. And, you know, like the message says about John the Baptist is that he had to be diminished I recognise that massively, that so much of my journey has been about diminishing me, getting me out of the way, getting rid of the, you know, and it's an ongoing process, getting rid of the rid of the rubbish that there is inside my heart so that actually genuinely this can be about your kingdom come and not mine. Um, and, um, yeah, tough journey. Yeah, very much so. Sarah, just as you look at and reflect on the journey of your pilgrimage, your life, and I just wonder, you know, as Alistair's spoken about some of the things that God takes, yeah. I wonder if you could speak about some of the stuff that God gives. So, what, you know, the, the, the things that you found that give you life mm. in this journey that, that God's had you on. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. And thank you, Alistair, for just sharing. So honestly, that's really powerful. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One um, is the power of community. Um, I... I'm quite an activist or have been over my life and I have often felt very um, like I can do things I'm capable, you know, let me let me at stuff. Um, But I think particularly over the last 10 years, embracing community, embracing um, my need for help at times, embracing the fact that as part of a community, we've got things to learn from each other. You know, I as a leader, I don't have all the answers. I think that's been a really big shift um, to go, hey, I don't have all the answers, but like. I can help you encounter Jesus who can help you with that. Um, And wanting to see people following Jesus for themselves, you know, knowing Jesus for themselves. So I think being in community has been really helpful for that. I think growing in prayer, 
anyone who knows me will not be surprised that that kind of sneaks its way in there. Uh, I got told off as a teenager for saying prayer isn't my thing. I didn't understand it. I thought it was boring. The irony of that now being a huge part of my job uh, and what I get to do with Jesus. Um, but that that invitation to be with Jesus, that invitation to know Jesus. And I think I spent a lot of my time going, hey, God, look what I'm doing for you. And I distinctly remember an invitation. I remember a moment where God is like, rather than doing it just for me, how about you do it with me? And I think that has been really, really life-giving. Just the growing awareness that God is with me at all times. Now, I, I'm not, I don't find it easy to live in the present. I'm quite a futurist kind of thinker um, and I'm always planning the next thing. Um, and so that has been really life-giving to me to actually stop and find ways to be intentional as a leader, but as a disciple first, like I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm anything else. Um, and so what, what does that look like? So community and prayer and trying to grow my awareness of the presence of God, like what is God saying? What is God asking of me? And the reality is like, he doesn't need me. Yeah. Like, like the world is not saved by me. He's saved by Jesus. And so he doesn't need me, but he chooses to invite me. And that has been life-giving. Like I can't be responsible for anybody's soul or salvation, but I can take responsibility for the things that God's given me to be a good steward of that and to offer people a way to connect and know him out of my own journey, really. And I've loved doing that with others. I've loved reading books. I think books are an incredible thing, but I've loved the honesty of being with other leaders who can go, oh, I've learned this, or this was really difficult for me. And that permission to be really yourself has been life-giving for me. Yeah, that's great. I love what you said about not working, not working just for, for God, but working with him. Because mm. um, how, how did that change the pressure that you felt mm. and put yourself under? Because I think my experience of that is that when I've lived that I'm working for God, there's a pressure that Oh, comes. it's tyranny, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because this whole yeah. podcast and this whole journey is about bringing a joy-filled life. So, yeah. like, how has that shift helped mm. you to live that, you know, that sense, out of that sense of joy? Yeah, that's really good. I, um, I think it's, underst I think understanding partnership mm. and that it, I think that idea of, like, it's not on me, like, it is a partnership, but it's totally like it's not an equal partnership me and Jesus is it like he's, he's God he's the creator of the universe and and I think my relationship with Jesus is very much like Sarah you're not the Holy Spirit can you let me do my job please so it's it's that kind of like getting to know God's voice for myself and getting to um be I don't know if confidence is the right word but be um content with him solving the outcomes like I I can't affect outcomes but I can look after my own heart I can't affect outcomes I loved what Alice said about praying and I prayed the right words I did you know like my prayer life has changed so differently from a prayer life to a life of prayer because I and it's changed from God would you please do this stuff to what are you doing I'm much more questioning of like what is God doing how can I join in with what he's doing and to get to that point of Lord let your kingdom come let your will be done it does cost you um but it takes the pressure off. I don't feel the tyranny that I perhaps used to put on myself. Nobody else's expectations, just all my own internal expectations. Um, and now I just, I, I love that I get to walk with Jesus and with others. And I think the redefining success has been massively important in that. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Well, no doubt these are, these are some great things that we can pick up over over the course of digging into the project. And you, in terms of the prayer stuff, I'm just a little bit of a teaser for people. We will be digging into prayer more with Sarah on these podcasts in the coming months. So uh, do stay tuned. Um, Alistair, um, so just uh, could you just unpack a little bit, really, how um, picking up some of the things that Sarah said there about listening to God? How have you discerned God's presence in your life? What God's been saying to you over the years? Maybe how has that changed a little bit? I, th- I think, um, yeah, lots of the ways I think I've I've heard the voice of God has has been through the body of Christ. You know, through through leaders leaders of. People around me have helped massively me to to hear God, to to facilitate the work of God in my life. I guess um, so, so. You know, one of the the key shapers for me in my life was was Colin Dyer at KT, and Colin forcing me, which is a very deliberate choice of words, forcing me to do things that caused me to uh, face my own sense of fear my own fear of failure, my own desire to control my own life, control my pathway, control my destiny. And um, God's used, you know, people like, like him and others to, to, uh, to shape and to um, uh, ch- uh, allow God to bring change into, into my heart and life. I, you know, when, when it comes to kind of, um, I suppose, hearing, I find I find that fairly easy. Um, I find uh, by nature I'm fairly reflective, fairly quiet, more of an introvert. So actually, hearing the voice of God is never felt like a stranger. Um, it's always felt like somebody I could, you know, I, I could hear. And and I've I, I think I got to a, a point really when when God shares things w- with me for for situations and other people i've just kind of run with those and sometimes they've seemed ridiculous and sometimes they have been but other times they've really opened opened things up and situations up and um yeah i think god sort of molded uh you know molded me in that kind of kind of way really awesome it's amazing just how god does work in all these different circumstances to bring about his purposes and mm. and the way that he works with our personalities as well he's not you know you're not like sarah sarah's not like you and their interaction with god is is unique i love that and um yeah sarah i, I wonder if um just any of your reflections mm. on as you know you talked about prayer that listening responding to god as well how have you um how have you uh, learn that listening and responding mm. about the way that God speaks to you? Yeah, I think um, figuring out how you hear from God is is your responsibility mm. as a disciple, yeah. as a leader, um, because I love the fact that God is so, so creative that the way that you hear from him, mm. like John, I'm in a room with John and Alistair and Ian, and like the way that we all hear from God, and we use the word hear not to mean like audible hearing, although sometimes it is that, but how we recognize God's voice and respond to it, it will be different. And so for me, taking responsibility for that has been really, really important. It's nobody else. My my relationship with Jesus is between me and Jesus. Nobody else can be responsible for that. And then learning from others, experimenting. I've tried all sorts of things to be able to allow the inner stillness that you know, Alistair said is not an issue for him. It's a super issue for me. So I've, I've had to learn 
ways. I've had to find pathways and practices and tools. And you'll maybe hear us use this language um, with our pilgrimage because the tools and the practice and the pathways are not in and of themselves brilliant because they're brilliant tools, but they help us to connect with Jesus. And so I've discovered um, that for people who love to be in nature and they look at a, a sky or the stars or a tree and they immediately feel close to God, I just go, yeah, it's the tree, you know, but stick me in a creative space with some fairy lights and a good coffee and some worship music and a journal and my senses are engaged. I find that so much, that feels an easier pathway for me to connect with God, to engage with God. So, um, and that's just one of, one of the ways that I've learned. But you've got to try. You've got to try the things. You've got to keep at them a little while. Um, and making a note, journaling, taking a note of what God has said has made me go, oh, in that environment, I'm much more receptive to hear God. Um, and like I said, we will unpack it. But don't worry if you're like, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Really, people do. It's okay. Don't worry. Often it is, like Alice said, through people, through impressions, through the things that are around us. And we all get to figure that out. It's great. Yeah, I think I think also um, I, I listened once to uh, Jonathan Sachs doing um, a middle-aged Radio Four little broadcast, and he was talking about the voice of God, and he said, and who God is, and he said something that really is it was massive for me. He said, we have in Judaism a God in heaven and we have God on earth, and God in heaven is unchangeable and holy and righteous and all the things we know. But who God on earth is depends on who you and I are. And in my in my darkest time, where, where you know when life was really difficult, and I couldn't hear the voice of God, I got nothing out of Scripture. I couldn't sit through worship. I couldn't sing about a good good Father. I couldn't do any of those things. But what happened to us was that for seven months, people from Cheltenham Elim Church brought food to me and my children three nights a week for seven months. And they sat around my table with me and they laughed with me and they cried with us and they fed us and all this. And suddenly I realized who God was. I realized that God wasn't for me at that time, even in scripture, in, in worship, but what he, where he was, was sitting around my table. And, the, and, and it's my most genuine experience ever of real communion because the body of Christ came to my home. Jesus walked into my home and fed me and my kids. And that's where I heard and that's where I saw Jesus in, in the most intimate way that I've ever seen him. And he was, for me at that time, he wasn't in the worship. He wasn't in the songs. He, he, he was at my table and he was exactly where I needed him to be. Fantastic. Um, we're we're going to be getting to the end of this uh, podcast soon, but I just wanted to reflect on a couple of things that you, you've drawn out there in terms of themes that I think are really important. So you both started with your initial experiences within, the, within church, um, but then you quickly moved on to this sense of knowing God personally. It wasn't the very, the very little about what you've mentioned there is in the context of, of church services. Actually, it was about the knowing him, not just knowing about him, that's really come through some of those stories. And that's going to be really important for us as we go forward. And I think there's a, you've both demonstrated a real growing awareness of yourself and what, who's God's made you. Um, and I, again, they're just going to be really important themes as we go through um, our pilgrimage. And, and then the other one was 
the, the, the impact of, of other people, community uh, in your journey. Are really, again, just really crucial elements. So just thanks so much for sharing uh, your stories with us. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I just I just wonder, as, as you were speaking about hearing the voice of God, I wonder if there's people that are listening to this that are, are sensing maybe that God is, is inviting them into something deeper. And actually what our pilgrimage is all about is, is responding to that um, prompting of, of God just to go deeper with him and so maybe there's um, uh, what what we're seeking to do in our pilgrimages journey with leaders um, in in knowing God and knowing ourselves and and how we not just have that as an intellectual approach but actually woven into the every single part of our life and so we're going to have these podcast conversations hopefully they'll feel like you're you're jumping in and listening in and eavesdropping in in a conversation um, but Alistair, Sarah, I just wonder, just as we wrap things up, is there any kind of resources or anything that you just want to highlight for people just to, to kind of tap into uh, as we journey together? Yeah, I guess two two authors, two favourite authors for me. One, uh, Richard Raw, um, key book would be The Eternal Diamond. Uh, the other one is, uh, I've read, I think, pretty much everything that Henry Newman's uh, that he had written and The Prodigal particularly uh, is, I think, massive for all of us on... Um, the you know the the heart of god the unconditional love of god Mm, great great suggestions um if you are joining our pilgrimage you will be reading ruth haley barton i recommend everything by ruth haley barton i love her ruth haley barton if you ever listen to this i think you're brilliant uh so we'd love to come over and hang out uh so anything by ruth haley barton she is yeah she's what i want to be when i grow up um and i really really love um god on mute by pete gregg out of the 24 7 prayer movement yeah uh, it's ostensibly, you impressed with that word, a book about what to do when God doesn't answer the prayers you think he should be answering or that you want him to answer. But it is one of the best books on prayer that I've, I've read, especially if you're trying to grapple and, and, and kind of wrestle with some of those ideas of prayer that might be changing or expanding. So yeah, that would be mine. Fantastic. Great. So our first cohort starts in January 24 with more starting later in the year. Uh, if you want to find out more about our pilgrimage, go to ourpilgrimage.uk. Great stuff. Well, that is the end of our first podcast. Um, and so thank you for journeying with us on this one. Uh, we're going to learn as we go. So it's, uh, it might be a bumpy road, but it's a road that we're all going to walk together. And hopefully we'll have people joining us as you listen in um, with some amazing guests we've got planned, which are going to explore knowing God, knowing ourselves, how we embed that into our life uh, tangibly and practically. So you can join us at our next podcast uh, next month where we're going to turn the tables and Alistair and Sarah are actually going to interview me and Ian. So until then, we hope you have a fantastic time uh, with whatever you get up to and we'll be starting our first cohort as this podcast goes out so uh, let's see how this journey progresses but uh, we'll speak to you next month at the next app pilgrimage podcast mm-hmm.